Hi everyone, welcome to the Altruistic Traveller podcast where I interview influential change makers from around the world and today I'm chatting with Mandeep Kaur all the way in Mumbai, India. Mandeep runs Tribes for Good which is a mission-led organisation developing the potential of individuals as change makers through culturally immersive educational and impactful experiences in India. Hi Mandeep, how are you? Hi, Bianca. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay. It's um, great to be chatting with you from on the other side of the world. I know we have um, we have a lot in common. I'm really excited to be talking about sustainable tourism and social enterprise. So tell us a little bit about Tribes for Good. Sure. So Tribes for Good is a social enterprise and we enable change makers. So we enable change makers through social impact journeys that are immersive journeys that, uh, that are conducted in Mumbai, India. Apart from that, we work with the local colleges and universities in India, wherein we are informing young students about social enterprises, nonprofits, and the entire ecosystem, because it's imperative to catch students when they are young before they venture into the mainstream corporate career. We want them to know about social enterprises, about enterprises which are socially minded. So everybody knows about Tesla, but they don't really know about Teach for India. So hence, we are trying to bridge this gap. And what is it about social enterprise? I mean, I've talked a lot about social enterprise on the podcast. I have my own social enterprise. What is it that drew you to the concept of social enterprise? That's very interesting. So um, I don't know whether you have felt this in your life. Um, There's a point that comes in your career when you feel that, okay, maybe what I'm doing is not adding value to the planet or people around me or in the world. If tomorrow I was not working on this product or service, it's not really going to make any difference to anybody. So there was this constant nagging feeling in me that I need to do something better. I need to make the world a better place. And because of this, I started looking into this entire social enterprises. So uh, when I started my journey, I didn't really know that there was a concept of social enterprise. All I knew was that there are nonprofits and charities which work with communities to help improve them. It can be livelihood, it can be on gender. So they have interventions and they work with communities to improve them. But when I was volunteering, I was introduced to a fantastic organization which was working in, uh, you know, in the slums of India, wherein they were providing employment opportunities to the young kids. And that was the first time I was exposed to a business which had a social mission, but they also had a revenue stream. Right. So yeah. That, that, yeah. So that got me going and I was like, okay, this, this is interesting. So I can bring in my business skills and still change the world. That's what attracted me to a social enterprise. 
I think for for those listening who don't understand what a social enterprise is, it's exactly what Mandy was saying: is that a business that helps to um, that helps a social cause has a social impact, but also has a revenue stream. So moving away from the charity model, where um, it's you know donations based, this is really about a business that makes profit that goes into community projects or whatever projects um, they choose to, to work on. So it's really interesting that, um, that there, there is this social enterprise the growth happening in India. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So now um, there are some hard facts. 40% of the world's poor stay in India. So we are a population of 1.3 billion, out of which 40% is below the poverty line. That is, they earn less than $2. I was kind of like expecting one of those harsh facts because we do kind of hear a lot about the social and economic issues going on in India. We do hear about the growth, but I think um, to actually hear those facts and to hear that they're still prevalent in 2018. It's pretty shocking. Yeah. And uh, like yesterday only the news came out that India is the sixth economy in the world, the sixth largest economy. So there are these interesting facts. On one side, we are growing, but the pace at which we need to bridge the gap is not really fast. Hence, in the last 10 years, in the last one decade, a number of organizations have come up and social enterprises, which are focusing on products and services, trying to elevate poverty, and also they are linked to the sustainable development goals. So there has been really interesting work that is happening in the developing market like Bangladesh and India. So everybody knows about microfinance. So Mohammed Yunus made microfinance as one of the most popular things that can happen to a developing market. Can you just so, explain a little bit more about microfinance? Because I'm really interested to hear about what your definition of that is. Sure. So as everybody knows that uh, a bank provides loan only to an individual when they have a collateral. So they need to have an asset basis which the bank decides whether this person can be given a loan or not. For a person who doesn't have that uh, means, they don't have a house, they don't really have any asset, how does this person be eligible for micro, for loans? So hence the concept of microfinance came in, wherein loans in the range of 100 rupees, 200 rupees, that is like $2, $3, started coming in, which were given to the daily wage earners. So the a daily wage earner, say for example, earns very less, but they want to start something on the side apart from the normal job that they are doing. Maybe they want to start something in tailoring, they want to stitch clothes, but they need to buy that uh, sewing machine. How do they get it? So they reach out to this microfinance company, which gives them this loan, a very small amount, like 2,000 rupees or 3,000 rupees, which helps this person start his his or her own enterprise. That's the concept of microfinance, giving small loans to make 
people eligible for opportunity or give them access to opportunities which they want. Wow, yeah. I've heard of this through um, a big organization as well called Kiva. They're, yes. Um, they do something like that. I think I have given a few microfinances and I think it's fantastic because for, for, the, um, for the person who is helping, the money is often not a huge impact on them at all, but for the person who is receiving those funds, it can be life-changing. Yeah, and uh, I totally agree. And also, uh, we have to understand that, you know, the people that need access the most don't have it. So we need organizations in terms of healthcare, education, banking, to provide them those access. Right. And so is this where social enterprises have been popping up in India? Yes. Uh, so uh, right now what's happening is there is a hybrid model that's going on, which is an organization which is a social enterprise, but they also have a non-profit entity to it. Because non-profits have been uh, in India for a really long time. They have been here forever. So non-profits have access to communities. So if you want any kind of behavior change to happen, so you need to work with nonprofits as well as a government, uh, wherein government has access to even the last mile, that is the remotest part of India. Right. So definitely yeah. so, kind of some, it, it would help to be aligned with a not-for-profit. Yes. Because uh, uh, ultimately it's about distribution as we do it in any business. So uh, you have a great product which can help uh, someone move out of poverty or provide them access to healthcare, but then you need access. So you need to reach to that person. So operational-wise, nonprofits really help social enterprises. That's true. So the yeah, so they work hand in hand. They uh, so the good thing about a social enterprise is that it's sustainable, but nonprofit has access. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. So going back to your journey and you know your passion for social enterprise, tell us a little bit about that. Ah, so um, I have been working in this. Uh, so I worked in the corporate sector and then transitioned to the social sector space. So we call it development. We call it social enterprise. There are many names to it. But my vision or my goal in life is that both social enterprises and enterprise should become just one term. It has to be an enterprise. So I'm working towards enabling me and my organization towards enabling more people about social enterprises, telling them about enterprises that have a social mission. So through my work, what was happening was people was reaching out to me, asking me that how have I started working in the social enterprise space? How have I transitioned? So we saw that there's a, a huge gap in the market and uh, people want to know about social enterprises, learn and deepen their knowledge, but they don't have time. They are, uh, <laughs> there's a shortage of time. So hence, we came up with a small bridge program called a social impact journey, which brings travel and social enterprise together. 
So what happens in the journey is we bring in 15 to 20 individuals to one city that is Mumbai, wherein we conduct workshops, trainings, which are conducted by experts in the social enterprise space. So microfinance, fintech, gender, topics like these are covered. Second part, which is the most important, is the field immersion, wherein we take a group of, uh, where we take the same group for field visits to organizations, wherein not only they understand the product and the services the organization is offering, but they get a chance to interact with the beneficiaries and the stakeholders to understand who they are. It's just like any other consumer. What is that they want? What are their aspirations? And does this product really fit into what they are looking for? And the third most interesting element is a hackathon. On the last day, on the second last day, we organize a hackathon wherein the individuals, the participants are matched with organizations wherein they work with the organization one-on-one -on -one for four to six hours. So if somebody is an expert in marketing, they will come up and work on the tactical goals of the organization. If someone is really good at writing, they might make a content marketing plan for them. So these are a few things that we do, which is a way of giving back for the individuals on one side. On the second side, uh, the social enterprises which face a talent gap are able to access really talented professionals who are able to work with them. So that's what the entire social impact journey is all about. Yeah, it sounds incredible. It's like... Um, a really great model that you've put together. Do, is it something that you came up with yourself? <laughs> so it has been through variations of iterations as well as mentors uh, giving us feedback on saying, okay, what is needed, what is not needed. Uh, it's important to understand what are the trends in the market, uh, what is that individuals are looking for, and secondly, also what the organizations are looking for. So when somebody wants to do good, we want them to do it in a way that, okay, they, it can be done in seven days, but also it has an impact even after those seven days are done. Right. And, and what would you say that some of the things are that the individuals are looking for especially? So they are looking to deepen their knowledge about interventions. So when they come, they, for example, if somebody is interested in gender, they want to understand that, okay, if I am coming up with an intervention for adolescent girls, what kind of intervention will really work? So for them, access to these organizations which are doing really good work and seeing how they are doing that. So implementing, so those field visits really help them deepen their understanding. I think that's so important because especially for people that want to be change makers, there is this kind of idea of really wanting to make a difference and sometimes we miss that educational piece of of really where we need to, of understanding where we need to put our efforts. And so I can, I can see that working with, directly with a grassroots organization can really help people to put their efforts into the right place so that way they're not kind of spending time reinventing the wheel but really spending time to tackle these um, grassroots causes. 
Yeah, exactly. So you sound it really well. <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of experience from working um, in Nepal and I've actually been asked that question myself, you know, how did you how did you do it? And I was very lucky because I, I aligned with an organization that was already in the field and already, you know, um, doing what they do there in Nepal. And I think that sometimes it's really hard for us to kind of gauge the social and economic issues that are in a place because they can be so complex and beyond our knowledge here in the Western world. Yeah, exactly. And also this happens to the best of us. So even when we are in India, like I'm in Mumbai, uh, so because of the differences, if I want to come up and come up with this intervention for a rural area, which I have no clue about, I might come up with something, you know, which has already been done and has failed. So it's important to understand the pulse, even if you're in the same city also. Yeah, it can. I mean, it's really great that you said that as well, being Indian yourself and still feeling that there are places and issues in your own country that you wouldn't be able to comfortably say that you know how to fix. And I think um, this is where the the concept of what you're doing is just so great because there have been many people that have failed before us, I think, and not that it's a bad thing. They all had such good intentions, but sometimes I think that you know, there are certain organizations that haven't just been able to really um, get to the root of these social and environmental issues. So um, we're still fighting, we're still going, which is really exciting. And it's so, um, I, I think that your model is just so great. Um, so is this the first, is the trip coming up this year the first one? Uh, it- in November, no, that's the first only women only journey. So, uh, what we saw in the last few journeys that we did, the eighty percent of the interest was from women. Oh, that's good to hear. I always think yeah. that social enterprise and social impact is women's only. <laughs> <laughs> Not women's only. Sorry, men. I mean, like majority majority women. <laughs> yeah, or maybe or like this is something which um, because women being more uh, sensitive and emotional, they sympathize or empathize more with the causes. Uh, we are not really, we are still um, new, so we can't really uh, come up with a concrete uh, reason on why this is happening. Um, and I'm sure that gradually the data is going to show different things. Uh, but we saw a huge interest from women change makers and uh, we decided why not come up with a journey just for females. So the journey which is happening in November is our first only women change maker social impact journey. And we are so excited for it. Uh, Even though the journey is in November, we already have some really good participants who are coming. They have already signed up. Uh, There is one amazing lady that you already know, Kathy. Uh, oh, <laughs> she <yes>. has done, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know how much she has done. She is an entrepreneur. She's a social entrepreneur. She is making videos now, reaching out to people and uh, doing the stories. So yeah, so she she is coming. Then there is a communication expert. There is a lady who has an intervention on gender. She is coming. So we we are getting such fabulous response. Uh, we are so lucky, and uh, yeah. Well, We're lucky so- to have such amazing women with us. 
There are definitely um, a lot of women that I've met lately that are really fighting for change and it inspires me all the time. Um, but tell me a little bit about some of the organizations that you're going to be partnering with uh, in November. Sure. Uh, so uh, we always pick up three themes. So three themes are picked up. Uh, so we will be looking at, uh, there are regions in Mumbai. So there's uh, one community, uh, which is the biggest community, uh, wherein people live together. Uh, it's called Dharavi, and it's also known as the biggest slum in Asia. But it's uh, it has a mix of such interesting enterprises that have come up, small-scale, medium industries, wherein organizations are working in travel, organizations are working in education, organizations are working in tech. So we have this amazing organization which wherein they focus on girls and help them code. So young girls, even in the age group of 15 to 16, are programmers, they are coders. They have come up with interesting apps which they use on their phones for the community. Amazing. So, yeah, it's, it's some interesting work. So, uh, so we are going to focus on microfinance, livelihood, and gender. So these are the three types of organizations that will be covered. Along with that, uh, there's a rural visit that's happening. So just two hours away from Mumbai, by taking a local train, we reach the rural parts of India. And uh, we will be taking the organ uh, participants to a, to a school, to a government school, which is just a three-room school. But you have to meet the students to see the kind of energy they have, how good they are, how uh, good they are in technology. It's uh, something to see. And uh, more importantly, we want to showcase how a nonprofit works with government body and comes up with change. I think it's really important because you often hear, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you often hear that there is a bit of negative um, talk about the way that governments handle social issues. But to be able to see how government bodies are working with local NGOs, I think that's such a positive thing. Exactly. So um, there is a negative talk and uh, to some extent it's right also because people expect a lot from a government. Uh, but the way we see it is we see that, okay, um, there is something good that the government is doing and we want to increase the impact. So we focus on those activities as compared to the negative. So it's more about talking about the positive so that the number of positive stories increase and it's spirals and it, there's a ripple effect. Yeah, I, I love that word. I mean, that's kind of why I do what I do, because we often always hear about the negative and, you know, yes, it is a negative fact that 40% of your country is still living in poverty, but we often don't hear about the stories of people, particularly at a grassroots level, who are really creating these changes and that is obviously happening through social enterprise and so I just love seeing this movement happen. I love being able to interview people like yourself who are bringing these people together and just hearing about these positive stories, like, for example, the young females coding or, you know, the microfinances. I just think that there's so much positive, there's such a positive movement happening and I think that 
we should definitely focus a bit more on that than on the negative. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, so that's the sentiment. Uh, we want to increase uh, more positive stories. Uh, so uh, one thing which we don't encourage is volunteerism. So it's very nice to, you know, take pictures with uh, kids on the road or the slums. Uh, or, you know, there are certain feel-good factors also that you go and, uh, you know, you spend some time, like, say, one hour or two hours. Uh, it feels good for the person who is doing it, but sometimes it does not really add anything to the organization or even to the kids that you are interacting with. So, hence, when we do the hackathon, the hackathon is for the participants to give back, but to give back in a more formal direction, which actually has an impact down the line. So it's not just a feel-good factor, you're actually contributing to make an organization better. I'm so glad that you're giving them that opportunity. I could, volunteerism is such a complex topic. We could talk about it for an hour. And I think that, you know, there's definitely a lot, a lot of negativity around it. And I wonder sometimes if volunteering was just always the go-to for people who just didn't really know how they could help. Because it's just yes. kind of that automatic thought in my yeah. head, like, I want to do something, what am I going to do? I'm going to volunteer. And there hasn't really been that um, education around what other ways that people, that you can support the places that you visit aside from volunteering. And um, I think that's where social enterprise can come in. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel that uh, people want to do good and they don't really know how. So, you know, the option that comes up, they take it. So if they had more options, they would go with something uh, which would be more impactful, like a social enterprise. Well, it sounds like that you are definitely helping to promote those other options. And I am very, very excited to hear about what you're doing and to find out about the journey. So how can um, how can our listeners find out more about what you do or even potentially um, book in to come on the trip? Okay, so it's very simple. All you have to do is log on to Tribes for Good. That is T-R-I-B-E-S-F-O-R-G-O-O-D.com. Uh, on the homepage itself, you will find all the information about the journey the topics that will be covered, the number of slots we have, the dates, everything is out there. All you have to do is go through it and fill in a very simple application form. Uh, once we receive the application form, we uh, get on to a one-on-one -on -one call to understand what is the participant looking for and explain to them what the journey will look like so that if they have any query or concern, we can help them and see whether they are a good fit for a particular journey. So this is uh, something which we do. Um, as of now, we're not taking each and every applicant that applies to us uh, because there is a certain expectation that we have from participants. Uh, so we are looking for people who are socially inclined. They have volunteered or they have uh, worked with an organization, even a charity in the past. They are looking to become change makers, but they don't know how. So we are looking for more serious professionals who want to come for the journey. 
Well, I hope that um, you do manage to fill up that tour because I think it would just be so incredible and you would end up having 15 to 20 people taking that knowledge back to where they come from and really, um, you know, making a difference. So thank you so much for providing a platform for people to do that. I think it's really, it's such an important place, um, such an important topic in our world at the moment and it's been so great to have you on the show talking about what you do hopefully maybe I'll be able to come as well in November I'm not sure but for anyone who's listening it was uh, tribesforgood.com I'll put the information up on my blog Um, thank you so much Mandeep is there anything else you wanted to finish off with today Uh, no this was good and we are just looking to create an ecosystem for change makers so yeah if anybody wants to become a change maker, doesn't even want to come for the journey, but wants to know how, they are happy to reach out to me and uh, I will let you know how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how to be a change maker 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank, thank you so much, Vyanga, for this lovely opportunity. Yeah, I had no a great problem. time talking to you. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been great. We'll um we'll talk again soon. We definitely have a lot in common and we have the same connections and I feel like um we're going to be connected for a while. So, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.